Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of ClearCast. I'm your host, Katie Keller, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Christopher Burgess back to the podcast, and he is also a contributor to the Clearance Jobs news site on intelligence, security, and espionage topics, so you've probably read his work there. Christopher is an author and a speaker, and he served over 30 years at one of the three-letter agencies living and working in Southeast Asia. South Asia, the Middle East, Central Europe, and Latin America. So he is the founder of SecurelyTravel.com. And today we're going to be diving into your top secret checklist for traveling abroad and handling classified information. Both of these topics are very important and we've seen them in the news recently. So my friend, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast again. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, This is going to be a lot of fun. These uh, topics are near and dear to my heart. Before I dive into my questions, I'd love to touch on some current events as the news just hit the press on Zoom letting go of 1,300 of their employees, which is about 15% of their workforce. And they went on this hiring spree as COVID hit. And in 2020, I know that you wrote about the how the company was scrutinized by security researchers and government agencies that had counterintelligence concerns. And I, I really just find it funny that some of my connections that supported insider threat work for the DOD moved along to Zoom. Now they're being laid off and potentially will come back to national security. So it, it really relates to this topic that we're going to touch on today with insider threats. So Let's talk insider threats. Some of those telltale signs after everything that you've experienced in your career and covering the news at clearance jobs. Well, the insider threat issue has transformed in the recent years to uh, folks moving into insider risk management. Now a whole cottage industry has uh, evolved. And I would say in the last 10 years, it's seen remarkable growth. But the insider threat has been there since the very first person had a secret. So it, it, it isn't anything new. It's just talked about more. It, it is true. I am working on my insider threat book. And some of the top tips I'd like to talk to you about today. The first is trust. When you have a trust engagement, that means that the individual and their employer ha- has a, a tacit agreement of what is and what isn't uh, allowed. You know, And in, in the work world, we look at this as process. Uh, procedures, technology, and of course, the people who are in the trust equation. Sadly, and those of you that have read my writing on clearance jobs know that I I talk a great deal about this, is those that break that trust, right? We had Harold Martin, who was a a defense contractor working in and out of the intelligence community for 20 years that pulled together over 50 terabytes of data, right? He had suitcases of classified information in his home. Clearly, those bag checks at the different government agency was not working because this man was taking it out wholesale and putting it in his home and in his storage lockers, etc. He's now doing 20 years. And then we have the the uh, famous and infamous, uh, she's become somewhat of a talon that people touch upon, and, and that was the reality winner case. 
reality winner, absolutely brought to the forefront that the Russian was diddling in uh, the U.S. elections by stealing a classified piece of information and sending it over to the Intercept. And again, she was an insider who knew the information was classified, knew that it shouldn't leave the building, knew that she took it off a classified system, printed it out, shoved it in her pantyhose, and in that way avoided any bag check that might have been there because they don't search your person, they search your belongings. And then out the door she went and she mailed it to the intercept. Now, that's not the right way to draw attention to the fact that Russia's diddling in our elections because the U.S. government already knew this. And what her work did was it destroyed the offensive operations that the U.S. had, ferreting out how the Russians were trying to diddle in our relationship. And so she basically uh, brought attention to it. And for that, she's become a folk hero. But she also turned out the lights. And that was very unfortunate, but she, she sent us back uh, some years. So we have cases where individuals who have been vetted, they go through a clearance process perhaps, or just, you know, if they're not in the defense world, they go through uh, a modicum of a background check. They get an in-briefing and onboarding. They're asked to make sure they're not bringing intellectual property in from others. And some of them are going to break trust. There's, there's a quote that's been uh, attributed to Sam Walton about why he has security in his stores. And he says, do you know a city of 90,000 people that doesn't have a jail? You know, he had a company of 90,000 or more. And so, of course, somewhere in there, you're going to find people that for one reason or another will break trust, which brings me to point number three, which is you need to invest in your people because people who are invested feel invested in, feel wanted, feel needed, feel they are contributing to the overall mission, kind of like you and clearance jobs, you and I have been engaging here for years. It's a great engagement. And when it's like that, who's going to break trust? Indeed, they're going to go overboard to protect what they have because they're so invested in it. So the industry is now at a point where they're looking at there's one camp that says we need to watch everything, investigate everything, and those folks are just going to die in data. And they're going to create a workforce that isn't built on trust. And then you're going to have the folks that build remediation. So where when you have probable cause to conduct an investigation, you have all the resources available to turn on the lights and put the heat on. And that's kind of where it's really tough for industry right now to get there because it's so ingrained in the mindset of so many, you can't trust anybody. But the reality is the the ne'er-do-wells are such a small percentage that if you empower your entire workforce to be part of the solution, that insider is going to have a harder and harder time. But you still need to invest in, you know, the logging tools and what have you. Our recent example is the Supreme Court. The Dobbs ruling was leaked prior to its being made public. They did an investigation and an investigation. They said flat out, our uh, internal Technical cybersecurity infrastructure did not allow us to track the documents effectively. We don't know who did it. So folks need to invest in technology, but technology is not going to be their solution. It's going to be their people that are their solution. So that's kind of where I'm sitting today on Insider Threat. Well, it's like a Venn diagram. You need both. You need the the trust in employees. To You need to empower those employees, but you do need the technology solution to work in conjunction with that. 
That's on, you know, insider threats, but I'd love to talk a little bit more about programming for companies as an individual while their employees are traveling abroad, things companies should think about. And, you know, especially for the individual that's traveling. Travel is rebounding. If you go and look at the TSA uh, screening records, and that, that's my barometer, by the way. It's all, it exceeded 2019 levels over the Christmas holidays. Mm-hmm. It buried 2020, 2021. And so at late 2022, it's in high gear. Now, I say pre-pandemic because we're not in post-pandemic either. So there, there are health risks to traveling abroad and there are threats uh, to traveling abroad. And there's also physical security threats as well as counterintelligence threat. And um, oftentimes when we're speaking with clearance jobs, we get mired in the counterintelligence side of the equation when the physical threat and the health threat are, are equally uh, as important uh, to protecting your employee. Count me in for traveling abroad. I'm up for it. Indeed, I I look forward to doing it in the not too distant future. But I I do say uh, to folks, do your homework, assess your risk. Things that companies need to think about. Every company, no matter size, no matter size, needs to designate someone who's in charge of their travel programs. That doesn't mean that's the person necessarily that puts together the travel itineraries, but they should have access to those. And I'm talking about official company travel. I'm not talking about your personal travel, though. Uh, if you have a clearance, you have a requirement to report that. So you might want to fold that in as an individual. And if your your clearance requires you to get a pre-brief, do that too. But companies have what is called a duty of care responsibility. If they are asking individuals to travel on their behalf, be it domestic or abroad, they should have their travel program in place with information available and digestible so that the individual as well as the manager can make an educated assessment as to the risk of the individual traveling to that given location. This may take the form as little as a pre-trip briefing, like here's a link, read this, this is your brief, or you come into the office, I give you 15 minutes, or a full-blown travel program which includes location monitoring of people and devices. Uh, For example, I I recently spoke to a company that provides that that service where uh, a company can contract with them to put an app on everybody's device and that app will report back to the company where each of their employees are while they're abroad. They have a wellness check-in, you know, call it sign of life, where, you know, you have to physically enter a code to let your mothership know that you're doing okay in wherever locale they just sent you. Those are all great ideas. I remember when I was in uh, private industry, the company I worked for, 7 a.m. Eastern time, no matter where I was, but at 7 a.m. Eastern time, I had to check in with a text message. And if I didn't, within two hours, they were looking for me. That's what's called duty of care. So maybe you location monitor for folks uh, and, you know, use their devices. Maybe you you just contract with a service so that in the event of a natural disaster or uh, civil unrest, you have an emergency extraction plan available to them. You know, for example, this horrible earthquake in Turkey and uh, with the tremendous loss of life, et cetera. Well, if, if you had contractors out in that area and you're not in the that line of work, which right now is rescue, then your people probably should be leaving. 
do you have a plan to move them away? You know, if they're out there as educators, do you have a plan to move them away? You, you need to have that plan. You need, to, you need to plan for the unthinkable. And then if it doesn't happen, great. But if it does, you've got it there. You've got that playbook in place. Same thing with healthcare. People don't plan their heart attacks. People don't plan falling off the curb. In both instances, they might need hospitalization. So you need to make sure that your traveler knows when and where they're traveling, how to get medical help if they need to. And so what, what, what I like to say is put together a briefing package for your employees, give it to them prior to their travel so that in there, they, they know who to contact in case of emergency, what the local uh, 911 equivalent is, whether or not they need to have linguistic help. Some countries, for example, at the World Cup in uh, Qatar, if somebody called the local 911, they got a prompt, Arabic or English, right? And so you, you hit English and they, the, the equivalent of the 911, they had English speakers there to help people. That's not the same everywhere. And so you might be dialing 911 and looking at a street sign in a foreign language, and you're going to be relying on your uh, smart device to tell people where you are, which is why I kind of created Securely Travel in 2018. The individual has a responsibility to not put themselves in situations which they can't extract themselves cleanly or without damage. And the example I like to use to the cleared world is, and, and this harkens back to insiders, the United Kingdom had a ministerial meeting in China. A member of the delegation meets a nice lady at a tea house. They return to his hotel room. Nothing alarming here, right? Consenting adults. In the morning, he awakens and she is gone. And so is his government-issued devices. Was it theft or was it espionage? It really doesn't matter, does it? The damage is done. He, he gets to uh, go downstairs, meet with his colleagues and say, <clears throat> uh, by the way, uh, last night uh, I lost all my devices. <laughs> you, that's the individual who needs to understand the risk, right? So, you know, there, there's tons of common sense here. Why did you bring a, a visitor back to your room? Why did you close your eyes when the visitor was in your room? Why did you have your devices in proximity to a visitor, blah, blah, blah? All of those are irresponsible behaviors. Other things companies and individuals might want to think about is what will the individual travel with? Because in this instance, that, that person lost their devices. So people lose devices all the time. It doesn't take much, an internet search to uh, find that every country at their customs and immigration has confiscated devices at one time or another from a traveler. It puts the business traveler in into a pickle because if you're coming into the country to do business and your, your laptop is there and they, they say open it up, but you don't want to open it up because you know this country has a history of helping competitors because you read clearance jobs, you're in a pickle. So you say, no, I'm not going to open it up. And they say, well, do you want to enter the country without your device or do you, you and your device want to leave? And you say, no, I'll enter the country. And you go in, but you don't have your devices with you. So I've, I've, I truly, uh, this, is, this is the conundrum that I've been writing about for so many years. Well, finally, I came up with a solution, and uh, which I hope to share with uh, my readers over there at Securely Travel soon, that gets the traveler back up and running in relatively short order in the event their device is lost, stolen, or confiscated. But most importantly, for travelers with devices, and this is where the FSO needs to get themselves involved with any traveler who's traveling with a device that's touched the work, is there ITAR information on that device? And has 
that information been approved to be taken to the given country that the individual is going to visit. So many companies find themselves in the pickle when they self-report. Joe Blow took his company laptop with ITAR to country X, did not have the appropriate permissions in place, and brought it back. This information went to country X. Now, did country X look at it? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know what the the counter-espionage internal security service of a country was targeting uh, Joe or not. But the fact of the matter is, it left the country and the rules say it can't. So if an individual has ITAR on their, their machine, they need to absolutely make sure the appropriate approvals are in place or they're, they find themselves, they're putting themselves in a kettle of hot water. Now, I do have three tips for the individual. Register your foreign itinerary with the State Department's STEP program. In that way, if there's an emergency in the country, be it civil unrest or natural disaster, they have a means to, they know you're, you're in the country, number one. And number two, you've given them a means for you to get the alert that they're issuing to all American citizens. Get a travel briefing or do your own reading on the country you're going to either from your FSO or uh, on your own internet search. Do not go in there blind to what the counterintelligence environment is. You absolutely need to know what's going on. People view Belgium as very benign. Belgium is a hotbed of espionage. You've got NATO there. You've got uh, all sorts of international organizations there. China and Russia are targeting travelers in and out of Belgium regularly. But people don't, you know, I'm going to Belgium. What's, what's the story about Belgium? I'm going to go get, a, you know, a great beer. No, you're, you're also going to be go, landing right in the middle of a great, you know, intelligence uh, nest, if you will. And lastly, copy all your cards, passport, IDs that you're carrying with you uh, and give them to a trusted individual in the event you get fleeced or lose your bag or whatever. Uh, Barbara Schluter and I uh, released a securely travel ebook uh, called, Oh My God, I Lost My Passport, Now What? in mid-January that is designed to help people deal with this exact experience of when you lose your IDs, when you lose your passport, you know, and it happens way far too often. So that was kind of a long-winded way of saying, that's what I, I tell people about travel. Well, really important topic and almost like the simulated phishing attacks that I get through email. It's really important to keep these things at the forefront and in practice because it's easy to forget. And, you know, you mentioned sort of common sense and maybe hindsight is twenty twenty, but th- these things need to stay at the forefront of your mind, especially when you're traveling or, and it's it, not really specific to any industry, like obviously important for security clearance holders and those supporting our national security, but really any industry, if, if you have any number of employees, there could be a bad egg and, or a bad situation that happens. Absolutely. People break trust for all sorts of reasons and people lose stuff all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I I know that I've gone to a restaurant, put my bag underneath my chair, gotten up and walked out, got to the car and realized I don't have it, Mm -hmm. then walked back in. I mean, we all do this. Absent-mindedness is universal. We all get it at one time or another. Sure. Well, so those are three great tips. Register your itinerary, get a travel briefing, whether you do it yourself or through your company and copy those important documents and give them to someone trusted. So I'd love to move on to sort of current events and news. 
we <laughs> a number of topics. Uh, classified information, growing legs, so to speak. So <laughs> the Chinese balloons. I mean, let's dish on all the ins and outs of recent headlines. All right. Let, let's start with the balloon first. <laughs> So uh, media seized on the uh, GeoInt, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through all the ints today, right? All mm-hmm. the intelligence. So GeoInt is the geospatial intelligence, right? Because here you got a balloon. It's at relatively low altitude when you're talking about aerial surveillance, you know, 50 to 60,000 feet. It's got this beautiful array, uh, solar-powered array hanging below, and no doubt has some high-resolution cameras taking some great pictures. Uh, it floated in from Canada over Idaho. Most people don't realize, uh, you know, Idaho. Wow. Why would you want Idaho? Well, there's some stuff out there. The Idaho National Labs <laughs> is the number one national lab for electricity research mm-hmm. in the world. It is the the number one spot. And then it just continued its travel over Montana. And what do we have in Montana? We have missiles, et cetera. So, yes, taking pictures would be great. It tells you a lot of stuff. But to me, I think that was the lowest threat. The higher threat comes from ELINT, electronics intelligence, where they're capturing the entire spectrum of electronics that is going on below them that can only be captured in when you're in proximity that can't be captured from those satellites way up high because the signals aren't bouncing up there they're 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 down at the surface level and so they're collecting the spectrum they're getting the footprint they're they're getting the landscape right now and why are they doing that because we've written about this in clearance jobs for many many years china is a patient beast they are building the mosaic We've seen them do it with the personal dossiers mm-hmm. where they collected all the information uh, from OPM and then you add in the TRICARE and you sure. add in the credit report folks and then the social network sites. And before you know it, you've got a beautiful dossier on an individual. And then let's throw into the mix now TikTok where everyone is uh, bringing them into their home. So now they see how you live. Great. Okay, back to the balloon. Then we have Mazin which is they're sampling the air. So they're looking for air particles. They're, they're looking for dust. They're looking for fibers in the air. Why? Because when you're doing research uh, and chemical research or nuclear research or whatever, you put stuff up in the air. And so if I can do a sampling of the air, I know what's going on below. And because it's a balloon, it lingers, right? It's not going through at 90,000 miles an hour like a jet or like a satellite, this thing just lingers like a balloon right over you and gets a great air sampling. And then, of course, signals intelligence, where it's just collecting all the signals that it can touch down below. And what it's doing is taking a sample, sending it back. When it gets sent back home, then they can put together their targeting packages for their localized SIGINT collection. You know, how many... How many SIGINT collection sites does China have in the United States that we don't know about? We're now learning they've got a few police stations. Mm-hmm. And so if they can do police stations, what makes you think they can't do SIGINT? And so I, I submit they can. So that's my uh, my dish, if you will, on the balloon. Uh, it's just bad juju. Yeah, I mean, like all the ints coming together to 
sort of build all source. China, like you said, is patiently waiting to build that mosaic. Now, the good news is, and again, I don't have a source to pin it to. It's from official sources who are not yet identified, right? I read this, is that the transmissions from the device were jammed, except for the navigational ones. And the recovery that's taking place off the coast of South Carolina should give us a far greater picture of what the device was doing and whether or not we'll, we'll hear precisely, well, that's kind of up to the government. But I think the government's going to have a far more clear picture of what China was hoping to accomplish uh, after they recover and do their analysis uh, than we have today. Sure. Any other headlines that, that you want to dive into? Well, uh, espionage. I love espionage. (laughs) And uh, in Europe, there has been a sea change. We can uh, blame the sea change, the incentive for it, on uh, Russia's uh, unlawful and uh, unwanted incursion into Ukraine. But as you know, over uh, the past year, uh, over uh, 600 Russian intelligence and diplomatic personnel have been expelled from uh, various countries, 12 from the United States, so the rest are in, uh, in Europe. And those countries, in expelling those intel officers, have caused the Russians to have to go to emergency communications and emergency meeting procedures to meet with their assets. And of late, we're seeing the illegals, you know, just like the the book or the movie, television series, are now being wrapped up throughout Europe Mm -hmm. because the CI folks are focusing on what the Russians are doing. They're getting more attention than they've ever gotten before. And there are less of them to watch now because so many of them have been kicked out. And now we're seeing, for example, there was a, a, a couple in Europe that were professors and they were really Russian illegals. Uh, Austria, who normally is neutral in the espionage world, just kicked out four Russians for espionage. We saw in, I believe it was Slovenia, the arrest of two Latin American documented Russians. We saw an illegal wrapped up in Italy, and I wrote about this in uh, Clarence Jobs, uh, where this lady was a high roller jewelry person. She was Russian illegal, and she was her, her entourage was full of NATO uh, folks. And so she was there, eye upon, uh, spotting and assessing for others. Same thing in uh, the Netherlands uh, proper. They found an individual trying to uh, penetrate the uh, international court where all the human rights trial or uh, complaints are being filed for the atrocities committed by Russia in uh, Ukraine, as well as the assassinations Russia has uh, committed across Europe in uh, recent years. And so they were trying to get a penetration in there, and they had a Brazilian documented individual. So Russia is not stopping their espionage. But thankfully, the West is making it really hard for them right now. And, and every day I, I read a, another compromise, we have to make sure that we, we put this in the right frame of mind of it was in the interest of the country to make this public and make this arrest at this time. They didn't have to. Sometimes you can neutralize a penetration and watch them at the same time. So there's always a reason why they chose this time to do it. And that's where people who are curious, like I am, I look for, why did they do it today? And is there enough? Uh, The most recent is the uh, BND in Germany, 
which is their foreign intelligence service. Uh, the gentleman who is handling the Ukraine and Russia account uh, was also working for the Russians. That's not good. But it does explain uh, some of the uh, policy uh, decisions uh, that came out of Germany in recent years because they, they were being fed by, they were, they were being uh, supported by individuals who had a uh, covert relationship with the, the adversary that the policy was being made against. So that's my current events. Lots of lots of current events, and I'm sure that they're not going to stop. And, you know, I mean, really, these should serve as the, the reminders for, you know, traveling and keeping security in mind. These are the reminders for insider threats. These should serve as reminders for folks. So you don't get into those situations where you're like, oh, common sense. I'm an idiot. Why did this happen? Well, we all have those... Oh, what a moron I am I. But that's the beauty of uh, our uh, relationship, especially in the cleared world. We're all expected to self-report, and self-reporting doesn't get you in as much trouble as find out about it later. No, great point. Well, Christopher, thanks so much for diving into this forever important topic with me. I think, you know, one thing, the first line of defense from insider threats should be the employees themselves and employers should empower the employees to be this line of defense. So for more resources, news, and other helpful tips on manning your organization to combat or prepare for this issue, you can subscribe to our email updates at news.clearancejobs.com.